calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Jenny, the one who says hello at the beginning. <laughs> we have a couple of quick announcements before we dive into all things faith, 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 faith. <laughs> First of all, we are doing a live podcast recording at the Nerd Melt showroom here in Los Angeles. That is on October 14th at 9 p.m. You can get tickets over on our website or on the Nerd Melt website directly, but just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on calendar, and you'll see the events and all the information there. We're very excited, and we suggest you grab your tickets because it, it will likely sell out. Yes, and also, if you like what we do here on our show and you want to wrap and sconce yourself if you'd like to be a buffering burrito let me tell you that we have shirts available over in our store as well as cds and fabulous pins designed by kate leth and by christine tuna uh you can gaze upon them and make them your own by visiting bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about season three, episode three, Faith, Hope, and Trick. Ah! <laughs> Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing, but we have a special treat this week. We... Do we have a partner in crime? I would say so, yes. Named Jess Abbott of Tancred. You may know Jess, you may not, but by the end of this episode, you're gonna know Jess. Most definitely. Jess worked with Jenny and I on writing this song. Yes. And is going to be voicing the character of Faith in the song. Ah! Try to keep it together. Don't fast forward to the end. The episode's going to be great too. We're going to hear a little bit from Jess. It's all going to be great. I'm so excited. It's my favorite song of the entire series so far. Great talk. (laughs) Wow. Well, all 
also of interest, Faith, Hope, and Trick was written by David Greenwald and directed by James A. Contner. It originally aired on October 13th, 1998. This is the one where you're going to love this, Jenny. This is the one <laughs> where a charismatic slayer visits Sunnydale and wins over many of Buffy's friends. Meanwhile, two powerful vampires plot an attack. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where Faith shows up. This is also the one where Angel comes back from the sky. Oh my God, we'll get there. I'm going to wait to the end for that um, naked ass hmm. angel falling from the sky. All right. So, we open in this episode on Willow having to be carried off of school grounds even though she's totally allowed to leave school grounds because she's a senior. She loves rules. She's afraid that the rules might have suddenly changed while she wasn't paying attention, and boy, do I get it. I love a rule. <laughs> yeah, this is a very Jenny Owen Young's moment. Yeah. Uh, as the antithesis to Jenny Owen Young's and Willow, I was uh, leaving school property all the time, illegally, and also- just, Illegally. Just illegally. That was against the school law. Mm. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Whatever. Willow, we don't open on Willow leaving school property. We open on Willow's corduroy pants and beautiful <laughs> blue fuzzy sweater, which mm. I am just certain that Kate Leth is going to talk about. We're going to get to Kate in a yes, moment. Yes, Oh, yes. boy. Does Kate Leth have some stuff to say <laughs> about this episode? Oh, man. But, like, this opening scene is great. Right. The Willow thing happens, but also it's, like, a really establishing senior year moment. Yes. You know? Like, they've taken the time in this episode to let us know that they're seniors. And, like, we kind of knew that. Like, we knew it, but there's been so much happening in the first two episodes that had nothing to do with school. Yeah. That this was very important. Now we really know it. Yes. Buffy is sitting there with her picnic basket. She is turned into Chef Boyardee, probably. Chef Boyardee? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what her cooking skills are. She's a senior in high school. She's wow. been slaying vampires. All I know is she's got a basket, and I want to know what's in it. I think it looks a lot more Martha Stewart than Chef Boyardee. That's because they said Martha Stewart. They misled you. Oh. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. No, I mean, maybe Buffy is a great cook. I don't know. But... Buffy is not in school. They are in school. And there's this, you know, kind of moment that everyone has. Every, not everyone, but Oz and Willow and uh, Cordelia and Xander, where they're like, ooh, shit. We're all coupled off. And Buffy is, you know, single. Yeah. Except for Cordelia really puts, <laughs> I think she puts it best. So let's just dive right into a little Cordelia sound clip here. Please. Maybe we shouldn't be too coupling around Buffy. Oh, you mean because of how the only guy that ever liked her turned into a vicious killer and had to be put down like a dog? Can't she cram complex issues into a nutshell or what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you of know course. who hasn't changed on us is old Cordelia. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Always it down. Always there without her tact because uh-huh, uh-huh. she doesn't subscribe to no, tact. No, 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 no. And I love her for it. <laughs> I love you, Cordelia. I'm going to give you a jingle before the episode's over, but I think you'll have plenty of other moments. Mm-hmm. I have one in particular that I have in my mind. Okay. <clears throat> so we meet Scott Hope. Yes, we meet Scott. Who is a boy. Who is a cute boy. A totally normal looking, yeah. uh, charming individual right? who's Great interested dimples. in Buffy. Really great banter, uh-huh, uh-huh. like just the right. He he has like an Aussiness about him, I think. Yeah, right, because he has like fun quips and he is nervous, but he like handles his nervousness very well. Yes, he wants to go to a Buster Keaton movie festival. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. I mean, you know, he's just cute. I really like Scott a lot. 
Great job, Scott. So I'm having a great time with my pals, you know, Willow, Buffy, we're all laughing. Scott's cute. Uh-huh. I'm having a great time. Uh-huh. Buffy brought a fucking picnic. And then Xander has to uh. fucking ruin the party. Come on, Xander. I saw that half smile, you little slut, he says playfully. But then, <laughs> but then he gets punched. He does by Buffy, so it hurts. And that's great. Right. So in this context. Oh, my God. But I like I was so caught up in the moment of having fun with my friends that I even like laughed off Xander's slut shaming, you know, which I shouldn't have. But I got caught off guard. I was like, yeah, my pals are back together. My slut shaming pal. (laughs) My cute (laughs) computer loving pal. Uh uh My sexy, perfect Cordelia pal. Uh And my Slayer pal. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm a werewolf pal. Of course. about my werewolf pal. Anyhow. So then we cut to outside of a chain restaurant called Happy Burger, which has <laughs> the most happy. terrifying mascot I have it's ever so, it's seen. It's sort of like Joy saying that the mask was going to cheer up the room. Right, exactly. It's the same kind of situation. Happy Burger, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the little guy by the drive through box is just straight out of a haunted house. Yeah, he's real angry at the burger, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know who's not the worst? Mr. Trick. Oh, my God. I Mr. love Trick. Mr. Trick. This is such an episode. This is a fucking episode, There's Jenny. a lot going on. Oh, man. So, yeah, Mr. we meet Mr. Trick and Kakistos. Yeah. Kakistos. I want to know, how long do you have to live until your hands turn into hooves? You know so, what I mean? So that's what I was wondering, because later we find out Giles says, oh, Kakistos is a right. vampire so old that his hands and feet are cloven. Now, to me, that sounds like uh, he had the, the, that, like, that was some earlier stage of vampirism or something. Not that, like, they become cloven, but oh. evolutionarily or something. Wait, they, like, there were cloven people vampires? Right, right. So, what I think they were, like, sort of going for is, like, because uh, vampires, as we learn in the mythology, are, uh, ha- they're uh, hybrids, they're right. half demon, half human. And if we think about, you know, the most famous demon of all, the most famous, I mean, Satan, (laughs) Uh, you know, he's known for having cloven feet, not cloven hands. That's really a choice. But I think what they're going for is like, you know, very old evil. But just like, wouldn't the master have had cloven? I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense. I really like my interpretation, which is that at some point, Angel will have hooves. You know, like it just, (laughs) (laughs) like you just got to wait for it. And then one day you wake up and you're like, well, shit. Wow. And I want to know how old you have to be. Wow. Right. Um, So anyhow, there's this great scene where uh, Mr. Trick. There's a couple of scenes in this. Um, there's a couple of scenes in this episode where people get eaten in a real fun, fast foodie kind of way. Yes. There's the drive-through right here where this poor guy he wasn't even going to get eaten. Uh, oh yeah, Mr. Trick was all about he just it. Wanted he was a like, soda. oh, he called me sir. Right. He really liked him. And then, but then Kikisos had to go talking about ripping spines out of marrow. He was like, I really want to suck the marrow. And Mr. Trick couldn't help but get hungry. Yeah. So down went this guy. But something that I want to talk about before we go past this scene with Mr. Trick is this is a really big moment in Sunnydale and in like the universe, the Buffyverse, I think. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that one of our listeners sent us a copy of this 
collection of critical essays called Joss Whedon and Race. Uh, it's edited by Mary Ellen Eatropoulos and Lowry A. Woodall III. It's a really brilliant read. I haven't finished it yet, but every essay I've read has just been really compelling, written wonderfully. And obviously, this is a really important topic when we're looking at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's a really important topic in general and when we look at most television shows. But here we are. We're in the Buffyverse. And we have Mr. Trick appear, right? And Mr. Trick has this line that he says, which is very important. So I'm going to read a little passage from the introduction. Uh, this introduction is written by those two editors whose names I mentioned. And this is talking about the scene that we were just discussing. It's contextualized in saying, like, it may seem like race is absent from the Whedonverse, right? But now I'm quoting the book, to suppose that race doesn't exist in the works of Joss Whedon because he and many of his characters are white is to ignore the very real ways that race is constructed in the Whedon verses, albeit at the margins in largely peripheral characters through aesthetic strategies, normalizing whiteness and marginalizing or exoticizing minorities. For example, take Mr. Trick. Quote, not exactly a haven for the brothers, strictly the Caucasian persuasion here in the Dale, he muses, during his first appearance in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, sardonically assessing racism within the Buffyverse in the grand tradition of Whedon villains speaking uncomfortable truths. Yet the implications of this line are forgotten nearly the moment it's articulated. The acknowledgement of racism doesn't go far in altering actual racism in Sunnydale as it is dismissed just as suddenly as it was recognized. But Mr. Trick has clued us into the fact that it exists, despite its apparent invisibility. Trick's revelation demonstrates that absences matter, and a relative lack of characters of color doesn't mean that race doesn't exist. I'm going to just keep reading here because there's a couple more sentences and I feel like they're really important. They go on to say, it just means that the effects of race and racism are harder to see and understand and that what may be presented as normal, in quotes, and neutral, in quotes, is actually socially constructed, often in harmful ways that are invisible to those with the power to define what, quote, normal and neutral are. So... I just think this was a really important passage. Like I said, the entire book is wonderful and you should read it. But this is what we're seeing here is Mr. Trick is calling something out. And that's very interesting and compelling, but it doesn't take it any further, which is what the editors are saying. It, we don't go, we don't dig any deeper there. We're just like, oh, that's interesting. Suddenly we have this character who is saying something about race and then it's gone almost the moment that it's out of his mouth. And I think, you know, the point here is that, you know, Jenny and I are both uh, white women. We're watching this show in the 90s or even right now. And it's easier for us to sit there and not notice anything, not realize anything, not be aware of the fact that race is present in Buffy the Vampire Slayer by the lack of representation past white people. So I think this is something that we need to continue to pay attention to. We need to continue to pay attention to uh, characters of color in this show and how they're situated and how they're treated, how they're written, and the lack thereof. Uh, Mr. Trick is one of the first times, I think it is the first time, that we hear anything spoken out loud about this issue, which, again, important, but really didn't take it to the place that it needs to be taken to. Yeah, thank you for reading that. And thank you so much to the listener who sent us this book. It has been a great resource for us to continue to check in on. Yeah, something we're going to go back to again and again. Okay, so speaking of going back again and again, <laughs> next we go to the bronze. There's a shot of the exterior of the bronze. Yes, yes, there is, because of course we're just going to the bronze. Yeah, right? That's the shot we see before we're just in the bronze. But of course. It, you know, Buffy must be watching the television show, right? Because this is actually how she dreams. Buffy dreams with an establishing shot. <laughs> because we go inside <laughs> And Buffy is dancing, and we know 
that it must be a dream for two reasons. Angel is alive. She's dancing with Angel. And the second reason is Angel is wearing a long sleeve white t-shirt. Right. Not th- that would never happen in real life. Uh, that's not enough exposed flesh. Yes. And if, if he were going to cover up, he would only cover up using velvet or silk. Yes, 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 yes. I love this dream sequence as I tend to love all dream sequences that happen in seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This one in particular has a Lynchian quality, as many of them do. Uh, There's a low sort of industrial tone that's extended, but it's very quiet uh, in the score. And then we see the Scoobies looking on in silence and utter stillness, which is uh, just so creepy and dreamlike and otherworldly. Yeah, they do a really great job, again, in this one and in all of the dream sequences. And something to note about this dream sequence, of course, is the clottering. The clottering. Clottering is here. There. This is a clotta-heavy episode, Clotta, folks. clotta. Whole lot of clotta. Whole lot of clotta. Clotta falls. Clotta clatters to the floor. Wow. Clotta clatters. Yeah, you heard it here first. Thank you. It falls to the floor. It's a, you know, it's the pivot point of the dream. Uh, it is central to Buffy's emotions right now. She's feeling a lot of things about it, and who knows what's going to happen in the rest of this episode with clottering. Mm. Who knows? We'll just have to keep going. After this, after Angel turns into this green, rotting thing, which is weird but creepy. They had leftover materials from Dead (laughs) Man's party. They were like, let's just put this on him. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, We go to Snyder. We go to Snyder. This is fucking great, this scene. Prime Snyder. Prime Snyder and prime Joyce Buffy tag team. Getting it. Oh my God, they're so psyched because the school board has overruled Snyder. And instead of just being polite ladies who are like, thank you so much for letting my daughter back into your school. (sighs) Thank you so much for letting me learn in a place of education. They don't. They don't fucking give a fuck. I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot in this episode. It's faith, hope, and tricks, so... I'm on fire. Uh, but they, they say to Snyder, you know, Joyce is like, um, I'm not sure I like your attitude, Mr. Snyder. And then Buffy does this whole like, oh, so it must suck to be you to like have had the school board kind of use their power to to totally overcome your power. That That must be really awful. And then Joyce takes it home. <laughs> I think what my daughter is trying to say is. Nah, 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 nah. And then they leave. Imagine having a mother who would do that. That's, I mean, I kind of do have a mother who would do that. Yeah, I guess that's accurate. To be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, no, she'd nah, 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 nah. But my mom is definitely the mom that will come in swinging. Even if I'm wrong, which I'm usually not. But, like, it doesn't matter, you know? (laughs) She's there. She's got my back. Look out. (laughs) I don't know if you realize, Jenny, what is being smashed in a moment like this between uh, Joyce, Buffy, and Snyder, or what's being smashed when Rose Russo and Kristen Russo speak back to male figures of authority, but maybe you could take a guess. Is it the patriarchy? It is the patriarchy. The patriarchy! (laughs) Okay, so then we're off to the library where Giles is very busy, very, very, very busy, of course. So busy, he can't even notice that Buffy is back at school No, no, no. Buffy's not having it. No, 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 no. She needs to be noticed. I also just want to give a quick shout out to Willow's overalls. They are beautiful and I had a very similar pair of overalls that I would wear over a very similar orange shirt. Thank you very much. Great. 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 Okay. So Giles is like working on a spell. He's got grand designs to bind Akathala and protect the world. Yeah, he needs details from Buffy about exactly what happened 
when she was fighting and then ultimately killed Angel. Right, and we're going to follow this arc throughout this episode of the podcast, but uh, something to note as well, in addition to Giles' Akafla spell, this opens up a conversation between Willow and Giles. Yes. And we're starting to hear more and more snippets from Willow about the magic that she is doing. And I love, and we talked about this a little bit in Dead Man's Party, but I love her like nonchalance about the spells she's creating. She's like, <laughs> I just, I turned fire into, I turned ice into fire. And I mean, I better not do that on the bedspread anymore. Right, 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 and we're right. like, oh, this is interesting. What's happening? And I also love the dynamic between Giles and Willow because we've seen them, you know, go grow closer and closer and like more in the the of Jenny Calendar and suffer some real tragedies. And I think that their relationship is being forged in just a really beautiful way. Totally. Well, do you know what it's time for, Jenny? Um, I have an idea. It's time for... Wow. Didn't discuss this. Oh, my God. Anyway, the chorus. I can't get there. Do you know what the chorus is? Is it you gotta have faith? faith the faith I would appreciate some goddamn enthusiasm is it gotta have faith the faith the faith <laughs> you gotta have faith the faith the faith well now we have faith the faith the faith Na- because she's in the bronze and she's dancing not to not to faith by George Michaels although I really wish that that had been that would have been a was great dancing to choice but oh is she dancing oh is she here we have just climbed miserably through 18 minutes of this episode <sighs> Just get, come on, talk about the stuff and the other. We have arrived to the bronze. Faith is dancing. Hooray! Hooray indeed. And not only is Faith at the bronze, but the Scooby gang is at the bronze and Cordelia is looking fantastic. She is looking fantastic, but her mouth is a problem. Her mouth is not a problem. Okay, fine. In a, in a, in a, there's a moment when her mouth is a problem, but like her mouth in general is beautiful. Just a teeny tiny moment. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Cordelia says, uh, re-faith from afar, uh, look at Slut-O-Rama and her date Disco Dave. She does. And so we have Xander in the beginning of the episode doing a little slut shaming. Cordelia in the middle of the episode doing a little slut shaming. Slut shaming is never good. Of course, it's a little different when slut shaming is woman to woman than it is when it is man to woman. But they are both problematic. So Cordelia, we see you. We ask you to be better in the future to other women and the way that they choose to dress or dance, especially Faith. Just yeah, kidding. because look everybody, at her. Everybody. But really, Cordelia, look at her. Don't you just want to kiss her? I, wow, <laughs> you just made me think of a thing I never thought of I know, before. I had never thought of it either, I, because we're really, what? we're going down a different path in this episode, Okay, okay, okay but right, right, right. hey, everybody have fun with okay, that nugget. Yeah. Now let's rein it in. <laughs> so Faith is dancing with uh, Disco Dave, who, Disco Dave. who is suffering from that particular uh, vampire anachronism-itis that happens when a vampire dies in a time period and then never sort of like moves Updates on. There, right. He's wearing sort of like a polyester shirt and he's like doing the, the hustle or something. <laughs> and then... And she's like all over him dancing, and then she like points very obviously, way, like like a an explorer in times of old, and she's like that way, and then they proceed to dance, dance. sideways, yes. like. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they literally she literally dances him out. Like it's incredible. It's so awkward, and it got a lot of LOLs in my notes. Amazing. So Buffy sees this happen, and she's like, "Uh oh, I don't think that guy thrives on sunshine." <laughs> so she follows him out, but oh, she bumps into Scott, 
on the dance of floor course. on the and she's way. like oh scott no, oops uh you mm. might not understand this but like i'm the chosen one i have a right. lot of stuff to do i'm not just your average teenage girl scott right so like that awkwardness happens then all the scoobies head out into the alley and like they're like where did she go yeah and, and somebody's like maybe they're just making out and then there's like some fight noises and willow's like that's not what making out sounds like unless i'm doing it wrong and listen willow maybe you are Who maybe knows? you are no nobody makes out wrong <laughs> also true okay so then uh so then we learn that faith is a slayer right right, right. We around the corner this girl's just like tearing it up all over this vampire and the scoobies like i love their response to her because like they've seen this before you know like because kendra has already been a character right they're right. not like sur- as surprised as one might expect them to be they're like interesting moves guess we know what we have here looks familiar yes layer number two uh faith has this incredible headbutt like a backward like she's having a conversation with buffy forward (laughs) and then like just throws her head back and gets this vamp she's like yo can i borrow your steak she kills the vamp and then she says thanks b (laughs) just b just gonna call her b is that what you're going to do, gonna call her B. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. Great talk. Whew, so that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. We get to see Faith tell a whole bunch of stories end on end. I love so much about so much of this scene. It's great. I, I love Faith's storytelling. I'm wrapped. I'm there. I'm like in for it, you know? She's great. Oh, and, yeah. you know, like, Faith's Boston accent... Like, I remember first watching this series and being like, I don't really understand her accent. And I don't know what my deal was. Because watching it, maybe I just love Faith now. And now I'm like, <laughs> everything Faith is great. But, like, we watched it again. And I was like, she's great at doing a Boston accent. She's from Boston, Eliza Dushku. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, like, anyway, I love her Boston accent. I love everything about her. She's great. Amazing. Um, But what I also love about this scene is Cordelia. I just love the way Cordelia handles Xander's stupid piss baby self. Wow. You know what I'm We're saying? We're sticking with piss baby, huh? Yeah, I'm keeping piss All baby. Right. Shout out to Mal Blum from episode, uh, season three, episode two. Dead Man's Party, the piss baby episode. <laughs> but Xander, come on. You know, like, he's just, it would be bad enough if he was a single dude and he was sort of just like ogling Faith and being like, tell me more about being naked. But like, like while you're sitting next to your girlfriend. You're beautiful, perfect, yeah. wonderful girlfriend. Monogamous girlfriend. Yeah. Come on, man. Get it together. And, and I love that Cordelia, she is just like, her legs are crossed. Her scowl is on, and she's not having it, but she's also not like, Xander, why are you saying these things? Why don't you care about me? She's like, bitch, <laughs> get your shit together. And I love it. It. I already gave her a jingle. I wish great. I could take it back and give it to her now. Oh, my God. But it's playing in my head. We also get the slaying. Uh, it's funny, B, how slaying makes you hungry and horny. Yeah. Getting a lot scratch. of. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a lot of important Slayer info. Yeah. Faith that we were not very, previously privy to. Right. Very forthcoming. Very forthcoming. Buffy is immediately humiliated, thereby proving that, of course, she also <laughs> gets <laughs> hungry and horny after slaying. Right? Which is lovely. And she just, like, tries to, like, couch it in this, like, oh, well, I, you know, occasionally crave a non-fat yogurt. Right. 
<laughs> also, okay. We find out from Faith, whose watcher is allegedly on retreat at the mm-hmm. annual watcher's retreat. We immediately learn, of course, Giles was not invited. Now, here is some additional... There's a lot of logic gaps in this episode. The cloven hooves thing yeah. doesn't make any sense. This does not check. There are two slayers. <laughs> right. One living watcher attached to one living How slayer. Does that guy? How is he not getting an invite that doesn't make any fucking sense? No. At all. At all. No sense. But it does allow us to see Anthony Seward Head be uh, charming and adorable. Yes. And deliver lines with uh, great uh, acuity. Is that the word? Ooh, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great. Great. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <laughs> um, I, I need to rewind it back a step, Jenny. Mm. Happy to talk about Giles, but before we leave the bronze, before we leave Faith... Faith says something very important for the first time oh! it's in reference to Oz saying, how do you feel by, about werewolves? Am I safe with you? And she's like, yeah, as long as you don't do this or that other bad thing, I'm five by five. Wow. What does it mean? What does it mean? Do Nobody we ever knows. <laughs> I mean, I, I take it to mean that we're square. Right? Like, you're right. good, I'm good. We okay. are equal, right? Five by five it makes sure. a square. So that's... Yeah. Is that how about? It might be. <laughs> Hellmouth. Okay. <laughs> five, Hellmouth. Five by five equals 25 or one new slayer. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to Giles, who Faith thinks is super hot, sharing something in common with Kate Laff. Wow. Kate Laff and Faith have a lot to talk about. They do. Don't they? Speaking of Kate Laff, let's go over and find out what she has to say about this episode. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch. The seasons are turning, the leaves will soon be falling, and if you ask me, it's pleather weather. Honestly, it's hard to pick looks from this episode. It opens on Willow's orange corduroy pants and progresses handily into everything that is faith. I'm talking red pleather flared pants. I'm talking boob window cropped tanks with matching arm warmers and faux snakeskin pants. I'm talking tribal tattoos and burgundy lipstick and platform chunky heeled boots. She definitely gets some competition from Cordelia in this episode, who wears not only Matrix sunglasses, awesome, in the opening scene, but a frankly jaw-dropping red dress with blown-out crimped hair at the bronze. She looks like she's going to an awards show. She looks amazing. But Faith is in a league of her own. She wears the most eyeliner per capita in Sunnydale, and I lay myself at her feet for it. Now, Buffy has some capital L looks in this episode, particularly her sheer gradient top in the library, which reminds me of one I talked about earlier. It's just very good. She just looks very good in white. And Willow is peak Willow with colored knit tights and some of her best hair. And we even get Mr. Trick, honorary dude mention, in a silk lavender shirt. I love the way he dresses, even if his ties are a little long. There are butterfly clips and overalls and Joyce's Grecian sculpture of a hairdo. 
it's practically too much. This episode is too much. You should see the notes I took. There are so many notes. God, I cannot wait to talk about bad girls. Until then, well, actually a couple of times before then, I'll see you at the mall. Oh, hey, does your Target have its Halloween stuff out yet? Because mine doesn't, and it sucks. And Sorry, I'll let you get back to the experts. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Our thoughts and prayers are with Kate, hoping that her local Target puts out the Halloween stuff real soon. Also really hoping she can get together with Faith soon and discuss their common interests. Maybe they could do it over dinner at the Summer's house, but not tonight cuz tonight is just Faith, <laughs> Buffy, and Joyce. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to get we're going to get there. We're going to go there and we're going to hang out there. But first, we cannot leave the library. They all leave Buffy, first of all. This is important, right? Because uh, they're like they all want to hang out with Faith and this is it's building and building and building that Buffy's feeling more and more left out, more right, and more replaced. Right. She's the chosen one. She's supposed to be the only chosen one. This chosen one is getting in her way. <laughs> wow. But Giles has a line before they leave, before we go to the next scene, where he says, this new girl seems to have a lot of zest. (laughs) And I just love it. And if I have the time, I'm going to make a gif of it because it's very important. I look forward to that gif. Let us also note that this is the second time Giles has asked Buffy for more details about killing Angel. Yes. He's yes. collecting data He's for collecting his very important spell. Yes, for the spell that, yes, sure. We'll wait till the end to talk about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go to the hallway. <laughs> oh, my God. Willow and Xander are taking Faith on a Horrors of Sunnydale High walking <laughs> tour. really great. I would like to be taken on that Me tour. Me too. Like, can I sign up for that? How much yeah. does the ticket cost? Uh, and then Cordelia. Cordelia is just... This is Faith's episode, okay? But Cordelia is really battling. She's shining. She's really battling. She has this line because she's again calling Xander out on his bullshit. What uh-huh. are you doing? And she, instead of being like, hey, Xander, fuck you. She's like, hmm, you know, you really have a thing for Slayers. Maybe I should dress up like one and stake you in the heart. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, maybe Xander- you should. And so and is Xander. like, please don't be joking. Yeah. Yeah. Xander and I have like one moment of solidarity right here. We're both like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> so, like, Faith is talking to Xander Willow, like, what's up with Buffy? She seems like she, like, could really find the fun, like you guys. Right. Like, what's her problem? Then she me- bumps into Scott at the wall. Everybody's always bumping into Scott. Yeah. And uh, they're just, like, chatting it up. And looking on, Cordelia says, <laughs> does anyone believe that hers is her actual hair color? Faith's hair is brown. It's just brown. It's just brown. <laughs> it's lovely. It's so good. But it is... Uh, a pretty normal, uh, frequently occurring hair color. This is a Cordelia-ism. That yeah. she'll just make shit up. Remember when she did it for Buffy's face? She's like, you mean that thing on her face? Yeah. And everybody watching the TV show was like, is there a thing on her face? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a thing on her face. We were all like, does Faith have highlights? I don't. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. no. Cordelia no. just literally says whatever she needs to say yeah. to get the job done. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. So Scott and Faith are talking, and this is a this is a thing. This is like yeah. another peg in this peg machine. The single white female peg <laughs> yes. machine. Yes. What is a peg machine? I don't know. I'm moving know. on. Anyway. All uh, right. So Faith, Scott, Buffy, a triangle, a triangle that does not make Buffy happy. Right, right. And she's like, I don't even know if I want to date him, but now that like yes. Faith is talking to him, especially because Faith especially of Faith. all people right. is talking to him. 
She's right. conflicted. Then we get this scene, whatever, blah, 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 Mr. Trick, Kistos. Mr. Trick yeah. laying it down with the ancient internet technology. He's like, we can download one megabyte in <laughs> four days. <laughs> like, it's bananas. <laughs> I didn't even know It's 1998. That. And he is like, this is top of the line. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. It probably is. Yeah. Anyway, He's just working with what he has. And then we get the second fast food meal of the episode where Trick has ordered a pizza and he's like, food's here. And it, of course, it's not the pizza. It's yeah. the pizza delivery great. guy. So great. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love it. I love oh, everything about it. Also, this is where we learn that uh, somebody did something to Kikistus's face. And he's right. mad about it. He wants to kill the slayer that did it. Yes. Yes. With his hooves. He does, he does, like, when we get to the fight scene, and we'll talk about it, but just, like, the way he punches with his hooves is very comical to me, you know? <laughs> oh, and then we get they, to They your... kind of look like, you know, those, like, big foam uh, yes! Hulk gloves? The, the fists. That are, yes. like, yeah, that you bop Where, people Where, like, with? you can tell that nobody's actually getting hurt, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah, really yeah. funny. Like, that's how it feels to me. Yes. Anyhow, first, let's have dinner with Joyce. Would love to. Yeah, you've been waiting to get here, Jenny. Joyce seems to have fully recovered from the death of Pat. Yeah, God rest her soul. <laughs> Joyce, is, jo- Joyce has moved on to the next lady at book club, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Joyce has made dinner, and she is, like, and this is, you know. So mom. It's so mom, and it's so gay. Like, it's just, it's. I thought that we were going to be pushing to keep the arc, the coming out arc, but like it's just here in plain lettering that this is a coming out thing. Like that now mom has like started to accept that you've come out and who you really are and you've brought over your friend who's also a slayer slash a gay. (laughs) So she's like, wow, this this kid, this slayer will talk to me about like what it's like to slay and I can get information which I can't get out of my own daughter. Right. So Joyce is like all about it. Joyce loves Faith. Faith loves Joyce. Faith just loves everybody. Faith is getting along with everyone yeah. famously except of course for Buffy. But <laughs> um, <laughs> she, Joyce has these lines like Buffy can be awfully negative sometimes. Right. Right. Well, she's got this whole, Faith has this whole spiel she's doing about how she's going to win and they're going to lose and she just loves to slay and she's like very bubbly and like magnetic. Yeah. So of course Joyce is drawn in by this as everyone is and it also makes her think about things in a different context as a mother like, Oh, Buffy Buffy doesn't seem to have this attitude. She seems so serious right. about it and like maybe she shouldn't be doing it if there's another person that could be doing this instead. Right. And she suggests this to Buffy. Maybe you should, you know, you got college next year. Right. This could right. come at a great time. And Buffy's of course like, "No, I this is who I am. I I have to do this. This is my sacred duty." And Joyce says, "I don't want you to die." Right. And then Joyce finds out that Buffy, that Buffy has, in fact, died, which is horrible. And I, like, really sympathize with Joyce in this moment, you know, that she has where she's like, man, I, like, just tried to take a step forward in this process and, like, accept her and accept the fact that she's the Slayer. And, like, just as I felt like I was getting forward motion, I found out that, like, my child, my only child died at yeah. some point. And I didn't even know about it. Like, that's that's a big thing. Uh, she also references the Slayer Pride Parade. I'm just going to, uh, yeah, say that. Yeah, that's pretty on the nose. Also, before we get to what I would 
call my favorite scene in the whole episode, maybe the series. No, it's not my favorite scene in the whole series. I would just like to point out that Faith and I share a commonality with how hungry we both are all the time. I've seen it in action. Yeah. I can confirm. This is what, if you want to know what it's like to eat dinner with me, especially if I'm very comfortable with you. Guard your plates. You saw it here. Faith. Very hungry all the time. Kristen, very hungry all the time. Bless. Now, can we go to, uh, I would, Jenny, I mean, the the sexual tension award obviously goes to Faith and Buffy. I mean, if And you, this is the scene where they earn it. If you didn't think that that was going to happen, you probably should find another podcast. Please. This is not you the fools. one for you. And we're so excited about the sexual tension award in this episode and probably future episodes. I'm just saying that we made a new jingle. This whole scene is just my dream. It's my dream. It's like if I had a dream and it was a great dream, it would be this scene. Just two slayers fighting with each other. Oh, my God. I wrote in all caps for the entire... My notes for this whole scene are every single one of them is a capital letter. The first line is just patrolling together with a million R's. (laughs) They're patrolling together. The next line is just sexual tension with a million N's. Wow. All caps. Then I just wrote, sleep in the nude. Something in your bod needs (laughs) uncorking. (laughs) Uh, Think you can take me. It's just all caps. It's my erotic novel that I wrote. (laughs) It's beautiful. Sleep in the nude. Something in your bod needs uncorking. (laughs) Think you can take me. (laughs) Great. And if you want to add my dead mother hits harder than that. (laughs) No, that's a different conversation. Mm. That's a different conversation. This, my erotic novel is okay, the start fine. of the finish. I know what your boundaries are now. Novel. Got it. How long does the thing have to be to be considered a novel? Uh, three, three sentences. Three lines, right? Yeah. Not even sentences. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, this is great. Faith and Buffy are doing, of course, what any two people who are equally matched and who want to make out would do. Right? Uh-huh. Which is, they want to fight each other. And right. they're, they're going to, they were just about to do it. They were just about to, quote, air quotes, fight each other. <laughs> They were just about to fight each other for real. Wow. You know, one time in college, when I made poorer decisions and gave less thought to things, um, I was at a party with some with a girl that I uh, wanted to make out with, who I'm pretty sure, based on the subsequent events, wanted to make out with me too. Somehow, like we couldn't figure out how we could make out with each other. So the conclusion that we came to was that we should go outside and wrestle each other. Uh, while our friends looked on. So there we were, uh, you know, not very far away from making out, wrestling each other on the the, the mall uh-huh. uh, at school. And then I was winning, of course. Of course. It, uh, my downfall. Hubris. <laughs> so then I heard a terrible noise. <laughs> I heard a terrible pop. Uh, I broke the ankle of the girl... I was trying to make out with, so our activities were cut short uh, as she was walked to a car by me and another person, Uh, and then I think either she went to the hospital then, I mean, she might have thought she sprained it, and then she went to the hospital the next day, and they were like, actually, it's busted. Uh, Okay, Jenny, whatever. Did you make out with a girl eventually? Never! Wow, so it really Missed opportunity. That is a very big missed opportunity. You gotta seize the moment. And I feel like you just one-upped my novel. 
<laughs> I didn't mean to. It was like, I had this novel. I was really proud of it. And then Jenny, just so you all know, Jenny paused the recording and was like, I was just, I don't know. I was like kind of thinking maybe I should talk about this time I wrestled this girl. And I was like, stop talking and hit record, you fool. I just, you know, I, I want to be respectful of our relationship. Oh, brother. And, mm-hmm. As though I haven't wrestled girls in my past. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyhow, we get vamps. And something important, and you brought up this line, which is not a part of my novel, but is a part of this series. Uh, first of all, before we get to the line, Faith puts a garbage can over one of the vamps' heads, which is a great move. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen that move from Buffy, and I think it's great. I think it should be worked into the repertoire. Absolutely. Love a garbage can vamp. Slayers can learn from each other. Right. So then Faith says, my dead mother hits harder than that. And we learn that Faith can quip too. Yes. Faith can quip too. And also that maybe her mother is dead. Well, yeah, fine. <laughs> but I was most excited to learn about the fact that she has the quipping. Yes. She has the quipping. She's been gifted with the quip. <laughs> <laughs> but then the scene takes a turn. Yeah. It takes a hard turn into like very realville when Faith catches the vamp and just starts wailing just on this Just pummeling. And saying things like, you can't touch me. She's obviously in another, but she's very far away. Yes. yes. And that puts Buffy in a lot of danger. Thank God, Buffy is able to turn the tables. <laughs> I don't know how Buffy was able to turn the tables. I watched the scene today and was like, I... they're just like two vamps sort of like flailing on her back. Like they're not really trying <laughs> to kill her at all. And she's like, well, good thing. They're just pl- playing a dead fish on me. Great to know where your limits are in terms of suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Vampires, sure. A hellmouth, mm-hmm. Zombies, mm-hmm. Pat and her schnapps, yes. yes. Uh... Buffy defeating two vampires? No, I mean, Buffy could defeat two vampires. Of course, Buffy could defeat 40 vampires. It's just that the way that it was staged was... For sure. It was a little rough. But so we get this window into Faith. Because up until now, it's been like all jovial dinner jokes, having fun with Joyce, having a crush on Giles, making everybody love her. And then we see like, oh, something's up. And Buffy is like, immediately goes to Giles and is like, something's up and this is scary. Yes. And... When she does go to Giles <laughs> and they walk and they talk, what's Giles drinking out of? A green mug! A green mug. If you've been listening since episode one, season one, you know we have waited for a year to get here. <laughs> one whole year, two seasons plus. To the most beautiful mug in all the land. Yes, and don't we have a don't we have a green mug song that you made? We have. Well, well, I don't know that we can play this song every time we see the green mug. But upon its, it's first, first introductory scene, it should get its song. Do it. Well, it's a green mug song from the bottom of our hearts. This very handsome glassware will answer every mug prayer and Giles can That was a beautiful song. Thank, Thank you. you so much for making it, Jenny. Mm, anytime. Uh, before we get into kissing toast and khaki trousers, uh, I want to <laughs> I want to hang back here with Faith because we had, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, 
Jess Abbott, who you may know from the band Tancred, or you may know just from being the best Jess Abbott that ever was. The very best one. The very best one. I've done the research. Jess Abbott wrote this so- the song for this episode with Jenny. I helped a bit, but it was, it was, you know, a primarily Jenny and Jess thing, this one. And it was great. They had so much fun working on it. The song rules so hard. And we're going to just play a little tiny bit of the chorus, which is Faith's part in the song, so you can get an idea before we go into talking to Jess. Have you ever heard something so amazing in your entire life? Oh, and there's more of it at the end of the episode. This is just a good day. Before we get there, let's go talk to Jess Abbott. Wow, what a fantastic day in our lives to be chatting with the one and only Jess Abbott. Yeah, it's a good day. It's actually night where I am. I don't <laughs> listen. So is this how this is going to go, Jess? <laughs> Just contradictory all the way? Uh, yes, I, I'm here to bring the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's very appropriate how for this appropriate. episode. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, very, I very. thought so. So we thought it would be uh, very good to start with your relationship to the television series. You know, do you like this TV series? Does it mean something to you? Tell uh, us all about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. I actually only started watching it like in full I only became a Buffy stan probably like two or three years ago and I just like everyone had been telling me over and over to watch it and I was like okay fine and then I did and I was like oh okay then I watched it a lot and watched Angel a lot and now it's just kind of like constantly I'm I'm constantly watching it I'm sure most people that are listening to this podcast to Buffering and everything are probably always watching it as well yeah that's how Jenny has always been totally just for the last eight years that I've known her always always. somewhere yeah yeah in the middle of those shows (laughs) (laughs) do you just do you have attachments uh, at all to this particular episode Faith is just always up to her her same old shenanigans so <laughs> well <laughs> those shenanigans it, are brand new right now yeah first first crack at the shenanigans in this episode yes but i mean when i rewatched it before we started working together on the song i rewatched it and i was like wow like i mean she has her own character development like over the different ep- the different episodes that she's in but like it's not too far from where she comes. Like, she comes in hot and she stays hot. Like, she's just. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you are new to Buffy or newer, right? That you you came to it within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there's, like, how did that happen? How did it, you know, we're almost 20 years after the show. So say we were, like, 16 years after the show when you came to it. Um, did somebody bring you into it? Was it, like, do you think that it will be as relevant as it is now forever? I totally think it'll be relevant. It's, it was such a, it was like one of the first mainstream ways that I feel like, um, women were, they were given this like really digestible way to understand feminism. And Mm. for that reason alone, I mean, there's so many reasons, but just for that one alone even could carry that I, I think Buffy will for sure be around for a long time. Hell yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to you and Jenny about writing this song. You know, usually Jenny and I write the songs together, but the two of you worked on this song and like really fun things have happened. So do you two want to talk about it? I think it, like we've done two two sessions for it and it's it's really it's been really fun both times because basically Jenny has all these 
really great songwriting ideas and then I'm like what if we say something really obscene about boys <laughs> and <laughs> that just happens over and over there's so many ideas where I've said like what about this and it'll be something just like wily and then Jenny is like mm, okay I'll write that one down <laughs> hey 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 oh well I feel like I mean when I initially had the light bulb of oh my gosh Jess should be Faith. She shouldn't just write the song with me. She should appear in the recurring role of Faith. Right. Uh, I knew that you would bring uh, dark energy to the <laughs> role and uh, to the writing process. Like which a is certain like, pleather-clad energy. Yes. Which exactly. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I guess what I meant by that was that your reaction to my random wily ideas would be what would actually happen had Buffy and Faith had a conversation about anything. And sure, I sure, sure. If, if Buffy, would if just Buffy be and like, Faith okay. were writing the song. <laughs> so, Jess, since people now uh, have heard you in the context of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and they know that you're wonderful, um, where can they find more you? Where can they hear more music of yours? Tell us, tell us, tell us. My band is called Tancred. That's T-A-N-C-R-E-D. And um, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube or SoundCloud. Wherever your millennial heart chooses to bring you to music, you'll probably <laughs> find something from Tankard there. I feel like it's worth noting that your that Tankard's most recent record, Out of the Garden, has a lot of Buffy references that our oh, listeners yeah. might really enjoy. I did have an album come out in April of 2016 called Out of the Garden, and I do have um, several Buffy references in there, many of which are, I mean, they're mostly pretty subtle unless you're a Buffy fan, and then they're there. And I didn't really think that a lot of people would really notice it. I was naive, and, like, <laughs> sometimes I'll be at a show and people will be like, Buffy! And I'm like, shit. <laughs> is there a 5x5? Five five? Oh, there is yeah, a 5x5. Right? I thought five. there was a 5x5. Five There's five. a 5x5. Five five. That's the most standout. The rest, I think mm. you'd really need to watch the show to pick up on them. They're not like, they're not like a quote reference like that. There's a lot of, a, a couple of the songs I was just kind of like writing about some relationships in the show between some wow. of the characters, but. So great. <laughs> so listeners, if you thought that uh, this was your only stop for Buffy-inspired music, oh, <laughs> you were mistaken. Um, you can go check out my gay Buffy fanfic album. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Jess, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and for writing a song. Uh, this was the first time that we've written a song with anybody else. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yes, thank you again for having me. Yes, and welcome to the the canon of buffering music as Faith. Yeah, oh so far God. we have, what, three characters. Buffy, Kristen Russo, and, and Faith. Faith. Yeah, Je Jenny sings from Buffy's perspective. I sing from my own. Or <laughs> or speak from my own. I usually speak sing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now we have uh, the voice of Faith. So if Faith has a voice in any future songs, Jess, I hope you're up to the challenge oh of, of being that voice again. I'm going to cry. Please. I feel like this is like when a young artist receives their first, like, music award and they're on stage just like <laughs> sobbing and they're like I don't even know where to start oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well we hope to hear from you more in in a future buffering song yes, yes for sure oh my goodness Jess Abbott what a dream thank you so much 
Also, we want to let all of you know, so Jess, in addition to being an incredible musician, a huge Buffy fan, and one of the best people on planet Earth, is also really into astrology. Yes. And so we took a little time with Jess, and we talked about astrology as pertains to the Buffyverse, but most specifically for this episode, how Capricorn Buffy and Sagittarius Faith relate to each other and astrologically if that's kind of on the charts or not. It is. Spoiler. If you want to hear that little uh, segment of interview, it is up for all of our patrons, no matter what level you give at. You can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on Patreon, and if you pledge it a dollar or five or ten, that interview with Jess that talks about astrology uh, and Buffy and Faith is up there. It's super fun. And Jess, thank you again so much for being a part of the podcast and for entering the universe as Faith. Yes. Woo! All right, so kissing toast, yes. khaki trousers. Yes. <laughs> and that's where my note was. How old do you have to be to have your uh, hands turn into hooves? But we already talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> Green mugs. Uh, Green mug is here. We learned about Kakistos, or I should say Giles is like holy shit, Kakistos. Yeah, heard of that guy. Holy shit, yeah. And then uh, he goes off to do his research on Kakistos or whatever. And we have now Scott. Yeah. Scott's like, do you want to go to the Buster Keaton Film Festival with me? And I'm like, you're cute, Scott. And Buffy is like, you're cute, Scott. And then. And then. Scott is like, I got something for you. And it's Clot Apocalypse. (laughs) Wow, Jenny, you didn't even warn me that you had (laughs) another Clot Upon up (laughs) your sleeve. Uh, Yeah. And and here's the thing. Right. It is (laughs) Clot Apocalypse. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Claude Apocalypse might happen at the end of the episode. But yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, – I just feel like it's a little soon for him to have gotten her a gift. Also, a little soon specifically to have gotten her a Claude ring, which is like a – A signal of things to come. Like he says it's like a friendship, which is what I want with you. But we all know that it's friendship facing one way. Yeah, An eternal love. Yeah, facing the other way. Facing the other way. And I just felt like, I don't know, this was a move that I wasn't sure of. And as a person who has dated, this is a thing that makes me run. Like, it's too soon. It's too, you just had me. Because I've never given you a gift. Never. I'd be gone. quite well for me. Yeah, forget it. I I would uh, hate a gift. No, it's just just too soon. Um, But not only is it too soon, it's a clottering. And of all the things, I mean, what are the chances? No, no, no. Uh, Also, Faith's watcher is dead right rest in peace right and this is uh, now you know once you find this out like you go back and you're kind of clicking through all of the information this right right makes sense. she showed up thinking buffy's watcher would be gone and she has a great excuse for her watcher to be, not be around right mm-hmm. right exactly and just like the way that she's acting out i mean i know yeah faith has a lot of backstory and we'll learn more about faith as uh things progress but for now you know we know that faith has a lot going on and like learning that her watcher died is a pretty huge piece of information to inform what we're seeing here uh, so we go to where Faith is living, which yes. is very similar to Buffy's apartment in Los Angeles. Same idea, <laughs> same general concept. Uh, Faith doesn't have a ton of money. I don't, yeah. you know, we never really, you don't really hear about money in the Buffy verse. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, it is $18 a day. It's $18 a day. And there's this great guy. I really this great guy. I mean, I just enjoy him. Be, I enjoy because we've we've just seen everybody falling all over Faith for the entire episode. Right, Nobody right. can keep their shit together. Everyone, 
men men and women alike uh-huh, just tripping uh-huh. over themselves to get more of faith. And so you see this scene where she like tries her faithiness and she's like, "Well, I think you're going to own this place someday, hot guy." <laughs> and he's like, he's like well aware of himself What's and her and he's like uh, yeah, I'm not. That's not gonna happen to me if I listen to broads like you. Great. I just really, I don't know. I appreciated him. I was sad to see him go so quickly. So Buffy drops Kakistos information. She's like, mm, "Cloven guy." Yeah, yeah. And Faith is like, "Oh fuck," and starts packing immediately. Yeah. And this is like a real hard shift for Faith because she's been, again, so like apart from that scene where she really lost it on that vamp, we haven't seen her like emote much, you know, apart from being like, I'm happy, I'm jovial, I'm here for a good time and a good time only. And so this scene where she gets scared and then gets sad is pretty upsetting. Yeah, especially, I mean, when Buffy is like, they're talking about her watcher and she's like, oh, he killed her didn't he and uh faith says they don't have a word for what what they did they don't have a word for what he did to her yeah and that is like to me to my ear and eye that's like eliza dushku's a number one best line delivery of the episode yeah very moving yeah for sure Uh, nailed it for sure and also like buffy doesn't say like oh what happened to your watcher she says something really shitty to like kind of pull it out of faith she says you know she she says to faith like oh like you protected your watcher which is a pretty rough it's pretty rough burn maybe she's still burnt from Anne getting her in episode one well also the last time buffy and faith were together they uh there was a lot of friction. Right. Friction. <laughs> Wasn't there friction? There um, was. Okay, so... So, like, while they're chatting, while they're having this great heart-to-heart uh, about terrible, painful things, uh, there comes a knock at the door, and Faith checks the uh, people, and it looks like the dude has come back. But, no, he's dead. That's a, the face a dead person makes. Yeah. She opens the door anyway. But, you know, through the through the little fisheye hole, you can't really perceive such things. Right. And there's Kakistos, and he's like, Faith. Mm-hmm. And, of course, motels are not the territory of anyone. They're not, right. like, a, a, a residence that belongs to somebody so he can just enter freely, mm-hmm. which he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faith's flipping now. Faith's losing it, and Buffy comes to Faith's rescue and is like, we need to get out of here. We need to escape. Um, and she says to her, she does another little bit of Hellmath with, um, there's two of us and one of him. Nice Hellmath. That's a, yeah, nice. Nice little simple. You know, sometimes Hellmath can be simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of us, one of him. Faith, <laughs> we got this. We totally got this. So they flee through the back alleys of Sunnydale. Of course. Of course. course. And, you know, Trick has a plan for those back alleys, man. He's like, you two this way, you two that way. Right, <laughs> he right, does right, a great right, right, little, right. like, maneuver. And they sort of flush the Slayers, basically, to the Mr. Trick and Kikistos LLC headquarters. <laughs> that should have been the name of our LLC. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Trick and Cookies. Nice. Uh, and they're like talking more about what exactly happened with Faith's Watcher and Kikistos. And right. Faith's like, I ran. And Buffy's like, the first rule of slaying is don't die. So, so like, you did, like, yeah, you did the right you did thing. what you had to do. And then they realize, oh shit, we have allowed ourselves to be flushed directly to their headquarters. Mm-hmm. There's about to be a lot more than two to one. Right. And so the vamps sort of like all swarm and they're fighting and Trick has this great scene where he's with this random vamp and he's seeing that like things aren't going so well. You know, there's two slayers. They're fighting pretty hard. And he says like, you know, 
the modern vampire sees the big picture. Right. And he just right. sort of slides out of yes. the room. And I love this. And I love the idea of there being different philosophies with generations of vampires. Totally. You know? It's just like, you know, we talk all the time about like millennials and the way they do things and like right. this and that. And it's just like he has this line that's exactly that, but in the vampire universe. Right, right. So special. I mean, we've also seen something similar with Spike and Angel, mm-hmm. you know, in the finale of the last season with with uh, Angel being like, I want to destroy, sorry, Angelus being yes. like, I want to destroy the world because I'm evil. And Spike being like, I'm evil, but I'm not that evil. Yeah. And if we destroy the world, I won't be able to get Marlboros. And <laughs> right. so. It's great. It's just great. And, and so, right. So we have this fight scene. It's a great fight scene. Great paint bucket kick. Yes. Very nice. Very nice not to be outdone by the garbage bucket. Right, but, right, right. Um, but Faith, you know, Buffy tries to kill Kakistos with a regular stake and it doesn't even just, come quick. It just, just like, like breaks clatters, against him yeah, or something. Yeah, it clatters down to the floor. Um, and then Faith uses uh, a two by four. Oh, like a beam! A beam. Now, not a five by five, but a two by four. Right, 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 right. Uh, and, and plunges it into Kakistos's heart and Kakistos dies, dies kind of an underwhelming death for, like, this vamp that's supposed to be so old. It's just like, right. if the master, like, turned into black hornets, I know that's not what happened. Everyone, <laughs> don't write me emails. I know it wasn't hornets. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, the master had this, like, crazy death and left behind a skeleton because he was, like, so old. Right, that right. I just feel like Kakistos Yeah, there's some inconsistency here. But all that aside... What uh? What happens at the end? The of main this? takeaway is the girls are so hungry. They're so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so think about that. So you know they go off to satiate their hunger. Uh huh. Together. Yes. Like you do with a burger. Yeah. Probably. Sure. So right. Buffy mm-hmm. has learned something. Buffy has seen vulnerability in faith and has seen what it was doing to faith to hold on to something yeah. and then ultimately like what it was for faith to be able to to let somebody else share her emotional burdens and buffy decides to tell giles what really happened with angel she tells him that angel was reinsold that willow's spell worked that it was too late that the portal was already open that she had to kill angel even though he was himself again. And then she says, man, it feels really good to be able to like sort of get that off my chest. And she leaves. And I love her, like Sarah Michelle Gellard, I think does a really incredible job in this scene of delivering yeah. this information because it's so nuanced. Like it's not, she's not as upset as like one might imagine she would be reliving this. Like it's very apparent that she has processed so much of it and that she mm-hmm. really is letting go of some of the last bits of this. And she's sad, of course, t- telling the story, but you can see the like release as she yeah. speaks it. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's incredible. And so after Buffy leaves, Willow's like, listen, Giles, I know you don't think I can like, I should be messing with magic, but I really feel like I can help you with this binding spell. And of course, Giles says, there is no spell. There is no spell. Number one dad. Literally the number onest of the dads. I, so as you know, I've only watched the series one time. And so I don't remember a lot of the details. So when we watched this the first time, I like crumpled to the ground in sheer, oh my God, no, Giles. I forgot. And the whole time I was like, I don't remember this binding. Like, I don't remember what happens with the binding spell because there wasn't a spell and he just knew. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to think about like the fact that usually in television shows and life, 
there are teenagers and then there are adults. Mm -hmm. And teenagers and adults generally interface with each other in a very specific way. There's a parent-child relationship. There's a student-teacher relationship. But Giles, because of the nature of uh, Buffy's work and their work together, he has he's sort of a friend and a father figure and a mentor. Like, he sees parts of them and he has access to parts of their lives that normal uh, adults that they might be interfacing with wouldn't. Right. So he is a brilliant man and he is observing Buffy and you know obviously she ran away she comes back things are weird things are still weird you know like it he has knows. been that he knows something is wrong and he's just been he came up with this fucking thing mm-hmm. to give Buffy more opportunities to possibly open up to him because he can tell that ah. she's holding on to something ah. it's so much oh it just gets me and it's also like a really important thing I mean obviously like Giles is very much a dad figure to Buffy, but Giles isn't Buffy's dad. Giles is, uh, you know, her watcher and another adult in her life. And I think it's really important, too, to note that, you know, she doesn't process this with Joyce. She doesn't process it with her mom. And that for so many young people and, and, and old people, too, but like in this context, for so many teenagers... There are other adults in the, in their lives that they can open up to in ways that they can't open up to their parents. And it's so important to have those relationships, you know? I mean, I, I had teachers that I will never forget ever who, like, mm-hmm. shaped core pieces of me and who knew those core pieces of me better than my parents did in those years because it was easier for me to open up to them. So I, I just it's, – it's a beautiful – obviously, we all know it's a beautiful relationship, but this – whoo. Yeah, it's a real moment. It's real beautiful. And then you think, you think it's over. You think, oh, they're going to go, there's Scott Hope again. They're going to yeah. go to Buster Keaton. Yeah. Giles is a great dad. Whatever. Buffy but just Buffy's has to like, do, she's got one thing. Just one thing. She's got one thing she's got to take care little, of tonight. And yeah. then she's good. She's fine. So she fucking goes to the fucking place. She gets her boombox. She, she fires up. Uh, close your eyes, the Buffy and Angel theme. It's like da 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 da. Wow, that's good. And that's she's really like, good, Jenny. "I'm sorry, I, I need re- to make I'm room." So, I'm so sorry, I talked over it. People probably wanted to like take no, that no, no, as no, a no. ringtone, and I ruined it for ah. everyone. Then Buffy's like, "I only have room for a certain number of clotter rings in my bureau, <laughs> so I need to give this one." Back to uh, Whence the it place came. it came from. Yeah. So she places it on the ground mm-hmm. in the uh, Angel Mansion. Yes. And she says goodbye. And, and she you leaves see, and the you lights see, go out. You see, right, you see this like very foggy, like, oh, she has now left. The door has right. closed. Right. It gets dark. Yes. The episode's then. over, isn't it? It should isn't be. It? No, but Where's there's the a credits? spotlight <laughs> on the cluttering. What? That's weird. I guess we're just going to see oh, the ring. Oh, my God. It's Wait. shaking. Is there an earthquake? <laughs> No, it is it's California. Not an it's not a bird or a plane. It's naked angel. Naked, soaking wet angel <laughs> falls so from the naked. sky. The most naked. The most naked. The most naked he's been the whole time. Well, that we're aware of. That we've seen. No, right, of course, that we've seen. The viewer. I have never seen an angel butt until now. I almost saw angel butt. My notes are just angel naked. And naked is twice the size of the word angel. Sure. I just sure. want you to know that. Okay. Proportions are important. So, wow. I wonder what's going to happen next. 
Only one way to find out. We've got a new slayer in town who loves wearing leather pants. And she's so hungry. And we have a wet angel who's returning from, from the, hell the dimension. sky. We have Mr. Trick. We have, I mean, there's just. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, so I think this is where we're going to leave it for now. I'm really yeah. excited. We've been waiting. Like when we started the whole series, we were like, how about season three though? Yeah, no. sometimes I would just be washing the dishes and, and real, just like and start remember. giggling yeah. and be like, oh my God, eventually Faith is going to get here. <laughs> <laughs> and that moment is here. Uh, it is. The the time is now. Uh, well, wow. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast, I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can hear some of those and learn more about me over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I'm Kristen Russo. And you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also learn more about my work with LGBTQ communities and their families over on my website, KristenNolene.com, or on the respective websites, EveryoneIsGay.com for LGBTQ young people and MyKidIsGay.com, which is probably self-explanatory, but is for parents and family members and loved ones who have a person who's recently come out to them. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and you can help us out by rating and reviewing us over on iTunes. It only takes a couple of seconds. It helps other Buffy fans find our Buffy community. It's really awesome. We would love to have those reviews and ratings from you. And you can also support us over on Patreon. At BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com, you'll see a little link for Patreon, and you can join at the dollar or $5 or $10 level, and you get really fun stuff in return. Songs in advance of the albums, Buffy watches, a secret Facebook group, extra mailbag episodes, so, I mean, it's just a good time. So you can go on over there and check all of that out. Also, we want to let you know that we will be back with Season 3, Episode 4 on Wednesday, October 4th. Yes, and to that end, if you'd like to know a bit more about our schedule, if you want to know when episodes are going to be falling, when you need to do your rewatches, we have updated our calendar through The Wish, So, and I believe that comes up sometime in November. So through November, you can see the production calendar, which we will do our best to stay on top of, and you can see when our off weeks are and when our on weeks are. So we are just so organized. Who's more organized than us? No one. No, no one. The no one. The no people. So, and we'll be uh, going past The Wish as we go further into the season and keeping that as updated as we can. Also, we wanted to let you know that if you live in the St. Petersburg, Florida area of the United States, there's a very fun event happening this weekend. There is a 20-piece orchestra. They're called the Florida Orchestra, and they are performing the music from Once More with Feeling. You can find out more information on our Patreon page. We're going to put up a little clip of a video, but we're going to play the audio from this. This is just a rehearsal of theirs, just a little clip from a little song. If you know the episode, you'll know it. If you don't, you don't. So don't worry, there's no spoilers here. But just take a listen for a second.
Oh, it's just like it makes chills go throughout my entire body. It's so beautiful. If we were anywhere near Florida, we would be going ourselves, but we are going to send in a little video that will be played during the event. So you will get to see us if you're there, just in video form. And the little clip that we just played is a video. And so I'm going to post the video on our Patreon page and you can find out all of the information about that event in that post. You don't have to be a patron supporter. The link is public. So you should check it out if you're in the area. It just sounds so fun. Yes, I wish we were there. Me too. Okay, I think that does it for us. So until next time, Back to school and that Snyder is still gunning for me Yeah, I'm here but I can't say I'm here totally Cause I feel like the whole world is trapped behind glass I keep trying to get through but I get nowhere fast Outside the bronze, someone's doppelganging me. Why is she slaying my vamps and calling me bee? To date me wants to clutter and chill But I'm too scared to feel All the things that I will The last boy that I loved Left a lot to unpack Had to send him to hell Now he'll never come back But boys are just fun machines are
Guess it's time that I finally come clean Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.